Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined as always by Gabby Urrutia. We are here to finally, finally preview this Texas A&M game. I feel like we've been waiting for this for nine months, Gabby. Yeah. And it, it is finally here. We're finally going to learn about this team in a lot of different ways. Um, so I am excited for this game. Um, Let's start with somewhat breaking news that uh, happened just before we press record on this podcast. Um, Xavier Restrepo appears to be out indefinitely with a foot injury. This is first reported by Susan Miller Degnan of the Miami Herald. Um, We do know that he was dealing with some sort of injury. against Southern Miss. That's why I think he wasn't on special teams like we saw the, the previous week and and why his reps were limited on offense in that game as well. Um, Gabby, that's a big deal, of course, no matter what that goes without saying. Um, I just want to go here, though, to start. What can Miami do now to try and uh, I don't know if you're going to replace the production, but yeah. what are some what are some options there? Uh, you know, Brashard Smith had a strong showing against Southern Miss, which yeah. I think is encouraging. Yeah, no, I think Brashard Smith is probably a guy fills in in the slot, right? Like, I think that he's someone that, um, you know, that's kind of come along a little bit. I think he's someone that the coaches have kind of, uh, you know, spoken pretty highly of uh, compared to the springtime and just kind of noting how far he's come along. So uh, Brashard Smith could definitely be someone to help supplement that, you know, the production. And uh, I don't know if there's any one guy that's going to do what Xavier Restrepo does, but maybe Miami could play a little bit of money ball and, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. try to replicate the overall production and maybe not just uh, find one guy who's going to do, exactly what it is that Xavier Restrepo does, whether that be, you know, getting the tight ends more involved in the passing game or, right. or utilizing things like that, uh, you know, finding Brashard, ways to get Brashard Smith the ball, uh, you get Jacoby George back. I mean, maybe you move some guys around a little bit too to 
just try to tr- try to create something because I do think Xavier Strepo and not having him in this game is a is a really really big deal and, and I think you also have to kind of you know equate for the chemistry that he does have with Tyler Van right. Dyke and, and their connection. I think maybe you can get away with putting Jalen Knighton and or Henry Parrish a little bit in the slot uh, for some snaps. And also, too, I think Michael Redding you could put in the slot yeah. uh, in some spots, too, because he's a guy that has been praised for knowing the entire offense. He's kind of like uh, the player coach in that room. The guys have said that whenever they have questions uh, about the offense, they always go to Mike Redding first. Um, so he's a guy that I think could be effective in that role, but you are right. You know, the, 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 the area where this is going to be tough for Miami to make up in terms of losing Restrepo is that security blanket aspect on third down. So, you know, the, those situations where you need the guy to step up with its chemistry and, you know, chemistry with Tyler Van Dyke and with, just the, um, you know, he's shown the ability to make plays. So uh, it's a t- definitely a tough blow for Miami. Um, but, you know, in a sense, that's football and, and it's got to be next man up. Hopefully, uh, Xavier can have a speedy recovery and hopefully he can return at some point this season. Um, all right. Let's uh, jump into the planned outline for this podcast recruits expected at texas a&m there's some good crossover there uh, with miami and texas a&m recruiting the same dudes and there's going to be plenty of miami targets in the building who are some of the guys miami fans are familiar with that will be at the game yeah uh you know definitely some it, it is pretty some pretty impressive crossover um, Jalen Brown, the, you know, top two for seven wide receiver out of Gulliver prep. Uh, he's going to be there for an official visit. He's committed to LSU, uh, Hakeem Williams, uh, you know, composite five-star wide receiver. Uh, Andy Jean is another local wide receiver. That'll be there. Uh, just kind of sticking into the senior class, David Hicks. I mean, that's a guy that's been on campus multiple times, a five-star, uh, defensive lineman. Uh, he's going to be back in, uh, in college station. Um, and then you got a couple big time uh, 2024 targets that Miami's really looking at. And of course, uh, you know, the headliners in that class, Jeremiah Smith and both and Josiah Trader, both going to be up there. And then a couple others like a uh, five star wide receiver, Ryan Wingo, who was at the cookout at the end of July. Uh, Zena Umeo, Umeo Zulu, uh, he's a top two, four, seven, um, uh, you know, edge rusher in that 2024 class. He's been on campus too. He's going to be in the stands at in College Station. So plenty of guys. There are others that Miami are, that Miami's still recruiting, and uh, you know, again, I think it's pretty. I think it's a, a pretty notable visitors list to be performing in front of. Yes, and, and also too, of course, it goes without saying, primetime game. Yeah, a lot of recruits are going to be watching on television as well. So it's it's definitely an opportunity for Miami to go out and make a strong impression um on the field with results um injury updates beyond Xavier Restrepo from a Miami perspective uh it's it's mostly good news right Akeem Mesador is back after being held out for precautionary reasons against Southern Miss uh Zion Nelson and Jalen Knighton both practice full speed uh 100% 
for the entire week. This is probably the first week they've done that. Well, first week of the of the year for Zion uh, since the start of fall camp. So that's a good sign. And then Jalen first first time he's done that since he aggravated his hamstring in the middle of fall camp. So those that's all big positive. Those are three big time players that Miami uh, believes they will have at full speed uh, at the start of the game. Uh, from a Texas A&M side, it, it's it's a little bit murky, you know. It's uh, and, and we're dealing with this too with Mario Cristobal now at Miami. You know that Nick Saban kind of coaching tree philosophy of you get nothing in terms of injury updates on the players. Um, I do think it's worth keeping an eye on Bryce Foster, who is Texas A&M center. He has not played through these first two games, but. He is their starting center. He's been coming back from mononucleosis. Um, he's expected to be practicing this week, but his status for the game is kind of, I guess, based on how he looks. McKinley Jackson, who is their starting defensive tackle, their nose tackle, that's good player, NFL caliber guy, um, massive plug in the middle there. He's kind of a to-be-determined guy with an unknown injury. Um Against Appalachian State, they held back three corners that play a, a significant role in the in the cornerback rotation uh, for Texas A&M in Jalen Jones, Brian George, and Miles Jones, I believe. And the thinking is those three guys will be available. They were kind of held out for precautionary reasons, but that is something to keep an eye on as well. Andre White who is a linebacker, kind of a rotational linebacker. He is to be determined. Max Wright, who is their starting tight end, uh, senior. He's kind of like their only veteran. They've been young at tight end because he's been out. I think he's kind of to be determined. Walter Nolan, who is a freaky defensive tackle, uh, has been seen in a boot recently. Um uh, so his status is kind of up in the air. Um, so there's there's a lot of uncertainty with Texas A&M from an injury front with some too deep, let's call it too deep uh, contributors, which matters, of course. Um, and yeah, that's all I got in terms of injury. So let's, let's dive into Texas A&M. Uh, just kind of what we've noticed about them, what we feel about them after watching them play these first two games and going through some of their data from this season. So, you know, let's not bury the lead. I think quarterback is the place to start Gabby. Um, what do you, what, what, what would be your best guess in terms of like how the quarterback situation gets handled this week um, for Texas Sam? Obviously Haynes King is the starter coming into this game but he has not played well these first two weeks. Do you expect him to still be the starter? And if that's the case, do you expect him to end the game? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I expect him to be the starter. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he was the guy that went out there first. I, I, it sounds like, like he's the guy that Jimbo's maybe most comfortable with and maybe knows the playbook best. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised to see him trot out there, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing some Max, Max Johnson at, at some point of this game, uh, especially if Haynes King starts to struggle early and 
I, if things are looking like he's, you know, having a similar game to, you know, maybe some of these past performances, especially the app state one where, you know, I, I just don't think it was good enough for them to win games. So uh, I think they're, it sounds like they're preparing both of them to play uh, from what I understand and just having some conversations with uh, Andrew Hattersley over at Gigum 24 seven. It sounds like both those guys are getting some reps with the, with the one. So uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing both those guys. Yes, I, I agree. I, I, well, I think, you know, Jimbo's kind of stubborn, so I think he'll stick with Haynes King yeah. to start. I think we know how that's going to look. You know, Haynes King, I, I honestly don't see it. I don't think he's very talented at all. Um, I don't know. Guy can't throw. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's that complicated of a decision, but I guess Jimbo just wants to keep you know, I think he's Jimbo's guy and Jimbo wants to give him an opportunity to play his way out of it, I guess. Um, I don't know. To me, like from a Miami perspective, he reminds me of like a poor man's Kirby Freeman, just like wow. kind of athletic, <laughs> but like a deer in headlights when yeah. uh, when the bullets are flying and that's not going to work against power five competition. So. I would expect, you know, after maybe two drives, two or three drives, they go to Max Johnson, who transferred in from LSU. He's the son of uh, former NFL quarterback Brad Johnson, uh, nephew of Mark Richt. Um, at LSU, you know, he's not – I think he's, he's a solid game manager type is the way to, to put it. Uh, during his time at LSU, he threw for – 35 touchdowns and seven interceptions. So that's a decent little ratio. And, um, you know, he's 6'5", 220. He's not as mobile as Haynes King, uh, but I don't think he's immobile. Like he can, he can buy enough time. He's a lefty, whereas Haynes King is a righty. So that's definitely something defenses have to be aware of uh, when they game plan for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the issue, like, look, we're going to talk about Texas A&M's offense. Yes, their offense is a little archaic. Um, I think that is fair to say, but that's not going to change uh, this season. This is what their offense is from a schematic standpoint. So how can they get better production with their offense? I think, you know, Jimbo picked the wrong quarterback. So if he puts in the right quarterback, I think you're going to see a more productive offense. And quite frankly, I think if, uh, if Max Johnson was starting against Appalachian state, I think Texas A&M wins that game. I think they win that game pretty comfortably, quite frankly, because Haynes was just missing some gimmies. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, all Max Johnson needs to do manage the game get the ball to the explosive playmakers that Texas A&M does have on offense, which leads us to the next talking point running back Devon a chain. How impressed are you by him, Gabby? I mean, I, I like him uh, before the season. I drafted him in a, in a Debbie league, like a developmental league where you draft current college players. Like I'm high on Devin a chain. Um, I think yeah, he's really, really explosive. Again, you look at the, I mean, the track stuff is, I mean, he's just like a, a big time sprinter. I mean, you know, really, big time speed and uh you know we saw it i mean you saw it a little bit in that in the appalachian state game uh you know kind of he was kind of the one-man show i mean he had a that the explosive touchdown run he had the kickoff return for a touchdown 
uh, even last year as like a complimentary back with uh, to, to Isaiah Spiller, he had a couple hundred yard games. And, you know, I think that he has, um, I, I don't know, I think he has some juice. And so I, I, I mean, I think he's someone that Miami's going to have to kind of just constantly be monitoring. I mean, I think they've done a good job stopping the run so far, but uh, a chain is, is, is their workhorse back. It feels like, so he's, he's I mean, you got to kind of contain him. Yeah. From a Miami perspective, he, he kind of reminds me shades of like a Lamar Miller, like a, a shorter Lamar Miller with that home run speed. I will say like over his career, a chain has, has been excellent, uh, an excellent yards after contact, uh, back, but that has not been the case through this small sample size of these two games this year. Um, so coming into this year, you know, he was, he was over four yards per carry after contact in 2021 and 2020. He was five yards per carry after contact those seasons. Right now, through only two games, again, small sample size, he's under two yards per carry after contact. So how much is that? Because the run blocking is not uh, going well up front, which it's not. Uh, I, I do think that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, with Devin A. Chain. I, he is a guy though, you give him a crease and more times than not, he's, if, when he gets into the secondary, you just got to find a way to get him on the ground or else he's going to score. So he is dynamite. Um, he, he was the only reason why, uh, Texas a scored yeah. in that app state game, you know, with his what 26 yard run for a touchdown. And then the, uh, kickoff return for a touchdown where you did see his ability to run through contact yeah. on that play. Um, doesn't really seem like to this point, and it's hard to judge this because Texas A&M only played, what was it? 38 offensive plays in that game. Doesn't really seem like, like who do you think is their number two back? And, you know, should we expect a chain, to get the bulk of the carries. I think that's kind of what I expect. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's exactly what, I mean, that's exactly what I would kind of expect is for a chain to kind of be the guy. They do have a couple others, LJ Johnson, um, Ernest Cr crown over and, uh, and Amari Daniels, who's another South Florida guy who have kind of got in there, but it's been a chain, a heavy, heavy dose of, of a chain to this point, those guys have just barely, I don't think, I think Amari Daniels has had the most snaps. I think he only he's played, eight snaps which is the most i think of any of those guys so it's not like they're really utilizing anyone else yeah and you can make the argument i guess maybe uh slot receiver anaya smith is their number yeah. two back because they'll put him in the backfield a little bit too um so let's talk about him anias what impresses you about him he's kind of like their version of xavier restrepo right like he's that safety blanket when they need a key third down he's the guy to convert it uh Anias has just been productive for what four, three or four years now. So he's, he's that dude. And he's the guy that kind of keeps the chains moving for them, um, you know, between the twenties. Yeah, no, and he's having a really big year. I mean, I mean, so far, I mean, obviously in the opportunities that he's had, I mean, averaging 18 and a half yards per catch already has a couple touchdowns and, you know, a long of 63. So, I mean, he's, he's definitely one of their go-to guys and, 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's a smaller guy. I don't even think he's six foot tall, but, you know, he can definitely move the chains and he can kind of be that chunk type of guy for you. They have a couple young wide receivers. I mean, Evan Stewart's a true freshman. Um, and so Anais Smith, I feel like, is kind of the guy that they that they go to. I think he's kind of like their Mr. Reliable. I think the, the way that you're putting it up, like he's there, Xavier Strepo is a, definitely a fair way to put it in the scope of Miami fans. You mentioned Evan Stewart. He's a true freshman, was a five-star guy um, regarded as one of the best receivers in the country in this 2022 class. So he's a young guy that's still trying to figure it out, but Texas A&M is giving him plenty of opportunities to show what he could do. He's not really connecting with Haynes King. Uh, I mean, no one is, but you know, we have, I don't think we've necessarily seen the explosive downfield ability that Evan Stewart does bring to the field. He's a 10, 500 meter guy at the high school level. Um, How familiar are are you with him? Uh, Because I'll admit, like I haven't watched his highlights or anything, but he's, he's regarded as a big time guy, right? Yeah. I mean, I watched him in two seven on seven tournaments, uh, you know, I guess last. So I guess during the 2021, so his I guess what would have been going into his senior year. And yeah, I mean, he's kind of like that big play guy. I remember Nick Evers, the quarterback who ended up signing with Oklahoma. It was, you know, he was playing with like some, you know, that, that team from Texas. I can't remember exactly what their name is, but it was just kind of like when they were in a jam, it's just like, you know, throw it up to Evan Stewart and watch him kind of just climb the ladder, go up and high point the ball and take it away from some guys. And he did that time and time again. I, I didn't watch a ton of his high school stuff, but um, you could definitely see the explosiveness, the, like, you know, really like the sort of lightning in a bottle type of player that he that he kind of is on the seven on seven circuit. So, yeah, maybe we haven't seen a ton of the explosiveness yet. I You know, he had a, a, a fumble in that App State game yeah. that ended up hurting uh, Texas A&M. And, you know, th- those are freshman mistakes, right? Like just because a kid is a five-star you know number one receiver in the country doesn't mean that he's not going to take time to adjust to the college game but the talent is there you talked about the top end speed and so yeah Evan Stewart could definitely take you over the top but I think with this offense and the way it's going to I just don't think we've seen it just kind of click yet you'll Keith Brown another guy I think to keep an eye on he's another downfield threat he played in South Florida at Gulliver and Miami Central um he would bomb people up every week Friday night lights. Um, he's definitely that dude. He's a guy to keep an eye. I think he primarily plays out of the slot for them. Um, but you got to keep an eye when he's on the field, got to keep an eye out for, for the slot fade looks, um, offensive line. Let's go there. I think in these first two games, again, it's a small sample size, but they are not really clicking to this point on the offensive line. Like you would expect against the level of opponent that Texas A&M has played against on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think that's the, the the main point. It's like who they played against. And I feel like, you know, it doesn't look like they're just overly impressive, right? Like, I mean, just even kind of looking at some of the, the pro football focus numbers, which I know don't, don't tell the whole story, but it gives you a glimpse on, you know, into their performance. And, um, you know, it, it's not like, these numbers that are wowing you when you're, when you consider the fact that they played mm-hmm. Sam Houston state and, uh, and Appalachian state, I mean, really haven't run into a power five 
you know, defensive line. And I, you know, David, I think we both think that Miami's defensive line is, is, is very good. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that this is a line that, you know, hasn't necessarily helped the, the situation either. I don't think they're getting like, you know, big time production production. You talked about the run blocking stuff earlier, you know, the yards, uh, the yards after contact or Devin a chain are, are way down. And I think it's because people are kind of getting to him quickly and, right. and getting that initial contact quickly on him. And, you know, so I think that this is a unit that's still kind of gelling. I think that they're still relatively young for the most part. Like, I don't think a lot of these guys have played. Yeah, inexperienced. Young. Yeah, I think that's it's a it's not a lot of guys that have played a ton of football or right. you know at, at the at you know for Texas A&M yet. So I think this is still a place where Texas A&M is kind of still figuring out a little bit too. Yeah, and again, keep an eye on center with Bryce Foster. He might be back this week. Um, the left side to me seems like it's. They're still figuring things out there. They got a redshirt freshman, Trey Zune, working at left tackle. And he definitely looks like a guy that's kind of still figuring it out right now, early in his career. The right side, I think, is where the strength is uh, with Ruben Fathery at right tackle and then Layden Robinson at right guard. Both massive guys. Six, Fathery goes 6'8", 325. Layden Robinson, the guard, goes 6'4", 330. So, you know, we're talking about establishing the run, Devin A-Chain. Look to that right side of the Texas A&M. You know, if, if I'm Jimbo, I'm designing a lot of run plays to that side. But with that being said, Fathery and Robinson haven't played to the level that was expected yeah. coming into this season, particularly Robinson. He's kind of like an NFL caliber guard. He's like a top three round guy potentially in the NFL draft. My understanding with him is he's kind of like working through a high ankle sprain. So he's playing a little hurt and that might be a reason why he hasn't been um, as consistent this year as he has been in his career. Cause he's, he's kind of their guy on the offensive line. Um, but his play hasn't been up to his standard that he's shown throughout his career there. Uh, how about on defense? Um, again, we talk about youth and inexperience. I think that also defines Texas A&M on the defensive line. Yeah, no, I mean, a, a lot of young guys. And I mean, I feel like we're seeing some of these young freshmen kind of rotate in there. Like, I mean, I don't yes. know. I'm seeing a lot of number four. I'm seeing, I mean, I feel like Shamar Stewart's getting some some burn. And that's obviously a name Miami fans are going to be pretty familiar with. Yeah, I mean, I think he's looked really good. I mean, we're seeing uh, Levius Overton, who was supposed to be he's supposed to be playing a senior year of high school right now reclassified to the class of 2022 and i feel like i'm seeing him on the field a little bit too so they're really rotating in some young guys um up there i mean i think shamar turner is, is definitely one of their guys uh you know on the defensive line i think that he's been really really good uh tunmis uh adele uh, is another one that uh you know, I think has performed at a high level. And then they have that yeah. nose tackle, I guess, type Regis. Um, that's a that's definitely a big body. So I think there's a lot of talent there on that defensive front. Um, but, you know, I think, again, it's just so young. And uh, there's a lot of guys that are going to get their first taste of Power 5 football in, you know, in the terms of like a heavy workload against Miami. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of respond to all that. Yeah, just from that App State game, the two guys that flashed to me, on the D-line for, for Texas A&M, Tumisi Adelaye, um, 6'4", 290, defensive end. I mean, this is the type of D-line we're talking about. They go 290 at defensive end. They go like 270 at the other defensive end spot. And then the tackles are big guys too, 300 and 325 type guys. Um, so they're a big front that wants to stop the run first. 
I don't know if they're necessarily like super twitched up yeah. on the edges to get after the quarterback, um, but they will knock. They look to knock back the offensive line, kind of push the pocket that way. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Miami's offensive line is up for that type of physicality. Um, and the other guy who flashed to me was Shamar Stewart. I thought yeah. he looked really, really good uh, against App State. So he's obviously going to be motivated to show what he can do. And, and, and like I said, McKinley Jackson is a key nose tackle that we'll see if he's back from injury in this game. Um, in terms of the D-line, just big picture-wise for Texas A&M, I think Miami's catching them at a good time because they are young. And I think that's a position group where they will look much different at the end of the season in terms of technique and, and knowing what works at the college level and what doesn't work uh, compared to how they look now. I mean, that's a big reason why App State was able to control the time of possession was, you know, the little technique things that you need to know on the defensive line, these young guys are still kind of learning. Um, linebacker, I don't know if there's much to say there. I mean, they, they seem like good physical linebackers. I don't know if they're anything like overly special, um, but I do think they're solid college football players. Um, DB, I think they got a nice little group there, Texas a led by Antonio Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's going to I think that's definitely one of the strengths of of Texas A&M's defense. And David, you mentioned a couple guys that didn't even play against Appalachian State that could be making their way back. And I think that's definitely something to kind of, you know, keep in mind, too, that I think that's a that's a place where they kind of run deep. And, you know, what's been the big question for Miami really this whole offseason and even early into the season? It's It's been receiver. And I do think through two games, uh, you know, I don't think the receivers have been bad. Uh, you know, I don't think that right. we're seeing the drops that, you know, maybe we heard about during fall camp and, and those types of things. I don't think that they've been unreliable or, you know, a huge question mark, but, uh, you know, this is a different type of test for them. And, yeah, you know, they're, they're, yeah, there, and there's going to, you know, there's some future NFL talent in this, uh, in this, uh, Texas A&M secondary. Uh, I think Tyreek Chappelle is another one. That's a, that, that's a, a pretty good guy there. Uh, Denver Harris is a true freshman five-star. That's a part of that, 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 uh, that uh, heralded, uh, you know, true freshman class that's considered the best ever. And, you know, he got some run, uh, you know, in the Appalachian State game too, and he's ultra talented. So there's no shortage of big time talent in that secondary room. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, I think this is where Miami's going to have to kind of, you know, figure some stuff out. Yeah. And Antonio Johnson is a key player in their defense. He goes six foot three, 195. He wears number 27. So, uh, he's a guy that they'll line up at free safety. They'll throw him in the box. Uh, he's kind of like their James Williams, but he's like, he's a, he's a junior. So he's a veteran version of James Williams kind of, uh, they'll also send him on some blitzes to generate, uh, pressure because I do feel like the pass rush pressure is something this Texas A&M team needs to get better at as the season progresses. And, and that's one way they are looking to find answers by sending Antonio Johnson on some blitzes. Um, but yeah, you, you said it, it's a long group. It's a fast group. Uh, Miami's receivers are going to have to make some plays in this game to have success through the year. Um, special teams, and then we'll take a break and dive into things from a Miami perspective, but special teams. Um, Caden Davis, one of four 
on kicking field goals in his college career. Um, we all saw the miss hit he had uh, late in the game against App State to tie it. Uh, so we'll see if from a mental standpoint, he's recovered from that. And then their punter is Nick Constantino, who is a good college punter. He's averaged yeah. about 45 yards per punt over the past two years. Um, but I think from a specialist perspective, I think it's fair to say Miami has the advantage there. Yeah, I think Miami definitely has an advantage there. And again, I think that this is one of those games where that stuff matters, where field goals matter. And uh, yeah, I don't think the, kitch- the kicking situation is is all that great for Texas A&M. Uh, obviously saw what happened again against App State, and that's just like a weird, like how in the world did that just happen? But I think the struggles are, I don't know. I think that, I think there's definitely uh, something going on there. Yes. So I think, uh, you know, if Miami could put up some of those, could, you know, split the uprights and Texas A&M struggles too with the way the offense has been kind of stagnant so far in 2022, I think that that could potentially be a really big deal. And, uh, you know, if Miami could, def- if Miami can win those, um, you know, even the, the, the field position battle. I mean, obviously it's going to be a really big deal too. So um looking for Andre Sporgalis to hopefully a lot of touchbacks. I don't want to see Devin yeah. chain returning. That's the ball a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want, I want them in the back, back, back of the end zone, like right on top of that Texas A&M or at the top of that a, if they have Aggies written up there. So uh want to see, I don't want to see any returns and uh you know, definitely want to put them in positions where maybe they have to kick a long field goal and that can get Miami some solid field position. Yeah. So a chain handles kick returns for them. And Anaya Smith handles punt. So in terms of the return element of special teams, I think you got to give the edge to AM over Miami. So, but Miami has these specialists to hopefully take them out of the game in that regard. So uh, let's take a quick break and we will discuss this game from a Miami perspective, what we expect to see, what we hope to see on the other side. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all wheel drive and three row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. Gabby, let's start here. Keys to the game. I'll let you have first crack. What is something you feel like is important for Miami to win this game? Yeah, I mean, I think I might be taking this from you. And, uh, you know, again, I I know it's something that we've talked about, but I really think we're going to learn so much about this game. And I think we've talked about this in other big games too. Like, I think we're going to learn so much about how this game is going to go in that first quarter. I think a lot of it's going to be how quickly does this team kind of settle into the game? I mean, they've struggled in big environments before the first quarter does not typically go well for them. Uh, so I think a big key to, a, to the game for them. I mean, obviously amongst other things is, 
uh, is really just kind of getting rolling quickly. And that could just be moving the sticks early on, um, you know, getting a couple easy first downs, drawing up your guys open. Obviously, Restrepo's not there. Um, how if you can get if you can get on the scoreboard early, I think that that would be a really, really big deal. So um, I want to see how quickly this team gets going and uh, how if they can really run the ball and kind of test this young defensive line and see if they can just kind of adapt, uh, adopt a little bit of what app state did in terms of just kind of chunking them down the field and, and just continuing to continuing to kind of grind them out over the course of four quarters. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Miami needs to show that they belong in this yeah. first quarter. And you mentioned how that's been an issue here in recent years. You look at Alabama, Clemson, Florida, LSU. So those are, kind of four spotlight games Miami has played in uh, from what 2018 through 2021 and Miami at the end of the first quarter of those games has been down a combined 34 to six and I feel like in most those in pretty much all those games it's felt like that you know it's felt like uh, it's gonna be tough for for Miami to get back into the game now that Florida game Miami did work their way back into the game uh but Florida did hit on some tough, big plays early on that was frustrating to watch in that first quarter. Um, so Miami just needs to show, come out and show that they can handle the spotlight. They can handle these big moments because that's been a concern for this program here for quite some time. You know Texas A&M is going to come out swinging after this App State game this yeah. past week. How does Miami sustain that punch? You know, How do they sustain the energy? that's going to be in the stadium in that first quarter. Um, I think if you can sustain it and settle into the game, that's going to be a big positive for Miami in terms of get it to the fourth quarter, put it in Tyler Van Dyke's hands. You have the quarterback advantage in the, of the, you know, for this game, give them opportunities to go win it. Um, You know, Miami has earned a reputation of being a front running team in recent years and, this is an opportunity to show that, you know, as a program, you're taking that next step. You can stand in there for an entire fight and you can counter punch with these teams because that's what Miami's been missing in these prime time matchups. They've missed that counter punch element. Um, and so that's something where Mario Cristobal is, is looking to change the culture. Um, and we will see if he's already able to instill that in Miami here what, only nine months into the job. Uh, it'll be interesting. If if I'm Texas A&M too, I'm looking to be the aggressor in the first quarter. I'm dialing up some shot plays and I'm attacking on defense to shake Miami's confidence because again, this is the reputation of Miami in the coaching community You know, for the past handful of years. Uh, Miami's a front running team. So you punch them in the mouth, they're not really going to respond. So um First quarter, show that you belong on this stage. I agree, Gabby. That's a good point. Um, I'll go with, for one of my keys, I will go with Josh Gad. I think this is a big Josh Gaddis game. Yeah. I think he needs to have a masterful game plan. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I think what he dials up in situational football is going to be massively important for this game because you know, from a pure talent, uh, from a pure talent perspective, and this is a big, it's a big deal. I'm not brushing this over, but like 
from a pure talent perspective, Miami has the quarterback advantage. Um, but do we necessarily like how Miami's receivers match up one-on-one against Texas A&M's DBs? Um, I think Miami's offensive line can hold their own against Texas A&M's front. I'm not necessarily sold, though, that Miami's offensive line will straight up win that matchup. You know, I think they could, but I got to see it to believe it. Um, the running backs, you know, I think, I think they could have a solid day. I don't know though, if they're going to straight up have a dominant day running the ball. So I think Josh Gaddis needs to have great scripted plays dialed up for different situations. Understanding I have a quarterback that can go out and execute these plays. Um, but he's going to have to schematically get guys open because, while I don't think Miami's receivers can necessarily go out and consistently win one-on-one opportunities with their talent, I do think Miami has enough speed at receiver where if the offensive coordinator can scheme up some looks, get them a yard or two or three of separation, of course, Tyler Van Dyke can hit those guys. So I think Josh Gaddis is going to need to be on point for third down situations And of course, he's going to have to need to be on point for red zone efficiency. And then, you know, two or three shot plays in the game. How do those plays turn out? We saw the flea flicker work masterfully last week. It's going to have to be situations like that, I think, where, um, you know, Gaddis, I think, has held some back here these first two weeks. It's time to show us what he's got here against Texas A&M. And I think Miami's passing game is going to need uh, him to scheme guys open with some looks every now and then in order to consistently move the ball through the air in particular. Yeah. And I I think just even just touching on that, like, I mean, I was just kind of going through some, like, I I don't know, just kind of looking at just trying to find maybe trends in the games that Texas A&M has lost over the last, you know, three seasons. So I guess that comes up to, I think it's like four or five total losses. Um, in every single one of those games, there's either been an, a hundred yard receiver or a hundred yard rusher. So I guess going back to 2020 during their one loss year, Alabama had uh, Jamison Williams and John Mechie, I think both go, um, or it was, I think it was John Mechie go, go like 180 something on them. Uh, last year, Traylon Burks went six catches, 167 with a touchdown. Um, they lost Arkansas, to, right? Yeah, Arkansas in 20. This is uh, 2021 now. Uh, when they lost to Arkansas, I think it was a 20, 20 to 10 game. Traylon Burke catches six passes for 167 with a touchdown. They also have a receiver, A.J. Green, who catches a 48-yard touchdown. Uh, they lose the next week to Mississippi State, 26 to 22. Um, Will Rogers throws for 400 yards. And uh, uh, Makai Polk catches 13 passes for 126 with two touchdowns. Uh, later in the year, they lose to Ole Miss. Uh, Jerry and Ely, he rushes for 152 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Henry Parrish has averages 6.4 yards per carry in that game, but, and then they lose to LSU at the end of the season and Jare Jenkins goes eight catches for 169 and two touchdowns. So it seems like to me, a key to the game is someone having a big game. And then again, app state, I mean, last week, uh, Cameron peoples rushes for 112 yards. So, um, you know, it seems like every time Texas A&M's gone down over the past couple years, it's been because of a big performance from one of these running backs mm-hmm. or receivers, you know, quarterbacks, one of these situations where they create explosive plays and someone, you know, kind of eclipses that 
hundred, really it's like 110 yard mark where, you know, they're able to impact the game in that way. And I'm just wondering, does Miami it's have it? Tough. Yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough ask. I think for on this Miami team right now. Any other keys you got? No, I mean, that's just something I just kind of jotted down. For me, I just want to touch on one other thing. I think it's important, you know, look, this Texas A&M from a Miami defense perspective, this Texas A&M offense isn't the most efficient offense. Uh, They got quarterback. They got, if Haynes King plays, they got massive quarterback issues. Uh, If Max Johnson plays, you know, you're you're dealing with a uh, ball control type of offense. Um, So you want to limit explosive touchdowns. You can't let this Texas A&M offense off the hook. Um, You know, they have the speed, the skill players to generate explosive touchdowns. Devon A-Chain, Evan Stewart, uh, you'll keep Brown and I Smith. We've touched on them all already. So uh, I will say Mario Cristobal keeps pounding the table, emphasizing how don't sleep on this offense because they do have uh, electric speed on the offense, which they do. We just haven't seen it yet because the quarterback position has been such a negative for them. So, um, you know, look, I think, I think explosive plays are going to happen in this game. That's just, that's just football. I think it's a big key though. You cannot allow them to have explosive touchdowns. You can't allow them to score on those plays. So, that seems, you know, simple and obvious, but if you give this Texas A&M team a free seven points, essentially, that's going to be tough for Miami to deal with. I think, you know, yeah. during the course of a whole game. Yeah. I think third down too is pretty important. And, you know, I don't think that they're a great third down team just in general. So, um, you know, I think kind of getting off the field then has been, is, is, is a big deal. Again, just kind of looking through some stuff. Uh, there are 27.8% on third down in losses and there are 35% on third down in wins against power five opponents over the last like two seasons. So not a great third down team, which I think is something Miami needs to really kind of like be really great at. Cause they really just like, even when they play good games, they're not doing like defensively. Fantastic- yeah. 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 It's been a, and Kevin Steele said that uh, the press conference on Monday, you know, he did say, look, I, I pretty much like what we're doing on defense, except their down needs yeah. to get needs to get better, which it does. I mean, um, you know, both from a quarterback contain standpoint and from a winning 50 50 ball standpoint. And look, maybe law of averages in this game. Uh, some of those 50 50s go Miami's way, uh, Miami's defense's way. Um Matchup you like most from a Miami standpoint going into this game, what would you highlight? Yeah, I think it's going to be Miami's defensive line versus um versus Texas A&M's offensive line, David. And, and you, we mentioned that you know earlier that this is kind of an inexperienced ha- slash young slash you know maybe a little bit you know not a hundred percent type of unit. And you know Miami is getting a key Mesador back. I'm you know obviously encouraged by that. And uh, we've talked about it previously, too. I think Miami's done a good job generating some pressures, but not really getting to the quarterback. So I think that this could be an opportunity, especially if they roll Hayes King, Hayes King out there. I'm just kind of pinning my ears back and be like, hey, bro, like you're not like you're going to have to beat us with your arm because we're just kind of we're maybe just stack the box, just try, kind of try to get after you, make sure you stop the run. So I think what Miami's defensive front can do um, against this Texas A&M offensive line that hasn't been great 
uh, through two games, uh, mm-hmm. I think could be, um, you know, pretty impactful. And just, you know, Mitchell Gude already has five pressures. Jafari Harvey has six. Elijah Roberts has six. I think Akeem Mesador is another one that um, obviously gives Miami a huge, you know, boost when he's a part of the rotation. I think we saw that pretty evidently against Bethune-Cookman. So I'm excited about what Miami's defensive front could do against, uh, you know, a struggling Texas A&M offensive line. Yeah, and I, you touched on it, but Akeem Mesadora, I'm I'm interested in how they deploy him this week. Um, you know, I think on pass rushing situations, his athleticism is going to give them a lot of issues inside. And then, uh, you know, I'd like to see him matched up against Texas A&M's left tackle, quite frankly. I think he could give him some fits. Um, and yeah, in general, I think I think Miami's athleticism up front could give Texas A&M's offensive line some issues in pass pro. So uh, I agree. I like that matchup as well. For me, um, one thing I like, and I don't think, I'm not necessarily saying this position group is going to like have an extremely productive day, but I do think situationally, I think Miami's tight ends could have a nice little impact in the game. You saw against apps, you know, app state, uh, their tight ends weren't ultra productive, um, but they were huge in situations. Their mm-hmm. tight ends combined to catch four of four targets for only 24 yards. And it's pro- you're probably thinking like, oh, what's, what's so great about that? But they converted two first downs and they scored a touchdown, uh, the tight end group. So, um, you know, look, I think used correctly, tight ends can be extremely frustrating for defenses to deal with. I don't think Josh Gaddis has shown much in terms of how he's really wanting to use Will Mallory and Elijah Arroyo in the passing game. It's been a lot of kind of basic stuff through these first two weeks. And, uh, you know, again, I don't know if Tida, if the Titans are going to have a huge day from a production standpoint, but I do think they can play a key role in moving the chains on, on some third downs or potentially scoring some touchdowns in the red zone. Um, we saw Gaddis use, use the tight ends at Michigan in some big games to perfection. You know, I think he did a masterful job using that position group in their win against Ohio state last year. So, um, we'll see if, if he can get the most out of that group. Uh, what about a matchup that worries you Gabby from a Miami perspective going into this game? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to take the low-hanging fruit, David. I'm sure you're going to have a, a much deeper analysis than I am. But I think it's just Miami's receivers against the cornerbacks, um, you know, just really the secondary in general. And again, I think that's just because, I like what I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, you know, I, I really do think that there's NFL talent back there. I think there's a lot of, again, talent. Back, even Jarden Gilbert's a guy who I remember Miami actually trying to recruit at one point. He ends up at, at Texas A&M. He's kind of figured his way in that safety, uh, you know, in, into that rotation. I think he's really, really good. Um, you know, and I just think Antonio Johnson, the guys are kind of getting back Tyreek Chappelle. And I, I just think that there's a lot there. And I think for me going into this game, it's always been, can Miami's receivers create separation? If Miami's not playing without Xavier Restrepo, which it doesn't seem like they are, um, you know, I, that just kind of makes me feel a little bit more unsettled. And I think that we're still waiting for that kind of prove it game from this wide receiver. And I would love for it to be this one, but right now I'm just kind of circling that matchup and, you know, it feels like I'm going to be watching what those guys are doing all night. Mm. And, and kind of like we were saying earlier, you know, 
this group hasn't been bad to this point. They right. Ha- yeah, no, they haven't. They've eliminated the drops. But is there that playmaking element? That's yeah. that's kind of the question mark they have to answer in this type of game because um, you're going to have to go make a play at some point yeah. in this game if Miami's going to win. So, and just like it, what I was saying earlier, like look at all these performances that I'm kind of hot that I've kind of highlighted. Yeah, you know, all these guys go like. Does it, Miami have that? I Miami doesn't have a, a six one sixty seven touchdown receiver on on their roster and, against you know, this competition yeah against ex- ex- exactly and like i was even david i mean i know you wrote you wrote up all the the stuff with kevin Steele and those defenses like i was what i went and watched back some of those kevin Steele auburn versus texas m matchups morning and like even if it wasn't at a super high level like auburn won, won some of those games and you know seth williams who at one point i think in the 2018 game was a freshman he comes down with two big touchdowns like He's a six foot three, six foot four, big bodied guy. They can kind of throw it up to him and he can come down with it. I don't know that Miami has that type of guy against, uh, you know, against these, this level of competition. So uh, I'm just kind of concerned about the, are we going to have that? There's no Charles. If Charleston Rambo's playing in this game, I'm honestly going into it and saying like, you know what? At least I know Miami has a guy that can maybe give him 120. I just don't know if there's a guy that's going to be that deep, you know, yeah, you know, expand the field type of threat, and uh, I don't know. I'm struggling to to w- with that matchup. Yep, I agree. I think to your point, it's going to be important for Miami to get some some sort of consistent production in the run game. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once; it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, but a matchup that worries me. So I'm, I'm flipping it. I'm going to the other side and I am going with the corners um, mainly because of the speed element that Texas, Texas A&M's receivers bring to the field. And, you know, these are extreme examples that I'm about to provide, but they do kind of illustrate how, uh, you know, specifically DJ Ivy, struggles at times with some speed looks. Um, So I went back and looked at how DJ and Tyreek performed against Alabama and Pittsburgh last year. Just that small sample size from the 2021 season. Um, DJ Ivy against Alabama allowed five of, allowed a reception on five of seven targets for a hundred and, and 19 yards and a touchdown. Uh, when he was matched up against Jamison Williams, he allowed two of three reception, you know, two receptions on three targets for 103 yards, including a 94 yard touchdown. 
Um, DJ Ivy against Pittsburgh allowed four of four receptions for 51 yards against Jordan Addison. He only allowed one, one catch on one target for 23 yards. So solid job against Jordan Addison, Tyreek Stevenson against Alabama allowed a reception on five of six targets for 45 yards. Jamison Williams in that game against Tyreek Stevenson uh, caught two passes on three targets for 23 yards. Um, Tyreek Stevenson against Jordan Addison had one of two for 20. So, you know, I think it's fair to say like the big X factor that the, the big element that doesn't translate to this Texas A&M game is that of course, Alabama has Bryce Young at quarterback and Pittsburgh has Kenny Pickett. Um, but it does worry me with the speed element Texas A&M has at receiver to, again, hit on some shot plays to one of those guys. And to me, like, I, you know, we're all kind of frustrated by what we see from DJ Ivy. I get it. Um, and he's going to give up some easy ones because of his soft coverage. But his focus needs to be on don't let them get behind you. And if if he can accomplish that, I think that's a check mark in his column. He did his job. Um, just don't get beat deep. That's that's something I do fear. If Miami makes Texas A&M drive the ball down the field all game long and Texas A&M still wins the game, I think you just tip your cap to them. Um, but if Texas A&M scores on some explosives, that's where it's like, man, you let an opportunity slip. And because uh, also, too, you know, beyond AM's offense not being efficient, they've also been kind of turnover prone for as few of possessions oh, yeah. they do have. So those turnover opportunities are going to be there for Miami if they keep them on the field longer, if that makes <laughs> sense. So, DJ Ivy, please play the best game of your life. <laughs> the DJ Ivy game. That's what we need out here. <laughs> And again, I'm not even talking like shutdown stuff. I'm just talking like, don't get beat deep. Yeah. I think tackling for them is going to be like for the corners too, is going to be important. It feels like, yeah, you know, Jimbo runs game. a lot of, yeah, that quick game. I feel like they run a lot of swing passes, you know, that's kind of like outside zones too. I mean, I feel like they're going to have to kind of put their hard hats on. I'm looking at you to Corey couch and I could see Jimbo mm -hmm. kind of scheming things up to him and being like, okay, like you're maybe like, you know, the least physical one on that defense. Let's see if you're going to make a tackle here. Cause it seems like, uh, you know, they're going to have to, again, kind of bring it and, you know, yep. show that they've improved as a, as a tackling unit and that they can, they can, you know, match physicality with a, a Texas A&M offense that's going to, you know, kind of go after them. So it's going to be interesting to watch as well. Yep. And in that regard, you know, safeties when the tackles are missed, because missed tackles are going to happen. Safety's yeah. got to come clean it up. Yep. Guy that needs to step up for Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think it becomes Brashard Smith now, right? With Xavier Restrepo out, uh, I'm going to be looking at him and seeing how much he can kind of, you know, what he kind of does with an opportunity. I think we both think that he's really talented. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was, you know, obviously super highly regarded coming out of Miami Palmetto and, you know, has, uh, you know, we talked about track times with some other guys. I think at one point of the cycle, maybe he finished the cycle with like the fastest verified 40-yard time. Uh, of anyone, I think it was like a four four one, or maybe it was even faster than that. 
Uh, so I want to see Richard Smith kind of play, you know, a fast game where he and just kind of show off some of that speed, some of that explosiveness and, you know, maybe be the guy that kind of fills in for that Xavier Restrepo role. And I think in terms of athletic upside, Richard is probably higher than Xavier Restrepo is even so uh, excited about, you know, potential opportunity there. And uh, so I'm, I'm looking at Richard and, you know, this is kind of your moment, man. Yeah. We talk about how Miami as a team needs to show that they are ready for the big stage. Brashard Smith, show you're ready for the big stage. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Henry Parrish. Yeah. Um, you know, I just like you watch Mario Cristobal teams from when, when he was at Oregon, right. In these big games, they wanted to establish the run. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think you're right by pointing out Gabby that Miami's receiver group, it's a tough matchup against these Texas A&M DBs. I think, you know, when you consider that and then you consider how Mario Cristobal wants to win the line of scrimmage, wants to establish the run, I think this is a big game for Henry Parrish, who's looked good through these first two games against lower-level competition. And uh, quite frankly, his stats would be even better if that weird excessive blocking penalty wasn't called against Southern Miss. But of course, you know, this is an entirely different animal playing this Texas A&M front um, that is built to stop the run first. Um, So, you know, this is a type of game where like four yard gains are a good game. And uh, Henry Parrish needs to consistently uh, churn out those type of runs. You know, I mentioned earlier how what since 2018 Miami's played in these big SEC style matchups. And, you know, I include Clemson in that. Um, The run performances have been poor in those games. You look at LSU, DJ Dallas had eight carries for 38 yards in that game as the leading rusher. 2019 Florida, DJ Dallas actually made a big play, right? He had that 50 yard touchdown run. Mm -hmm. He finished the game with 11 carries for 94 yards and one touchdown. And that's the closest example of, you know, Miami lost that game 24-20. I would say that the running game in that game was was kind of one of the factors into why that game was close. 2020 Clemson, the Tigers just totally shut down Miami in the run game in that game. Cameron Harris was UM's top back in that game. Eight carries for three yards. 2021 Alabama, Cam Harris, 12 carries for 38 yards. So in this game, you know, I want to see, I want to see Henry Parrish have 15 to 20 carries total, at least like 85 ish yards. I think that's a fine starting point. I think that allows you to build a passing game off of those running looks as well. And, you know, this run game is going to be so important. You have to be willing to play that game against the SEC or else they're going to make you a one-dimensional team and then you play right into their hands. Yeah, no, I mean, Henry Parrish, that was actually like what we got next up, potential player of the game. Like, I think Henry Parrish is going to have that type of impact. And again, I think we're looking for a guy that could have that, you know, special performance in this game. It doesn't necessarily need to come through the air. You know, uh, he's someone that's, again, played against Texas A&M and I think he averaged 6.4 yards. Uh, you know, in his opportunities, I think it was like nine carries for 58 yards or, or something like that. And, uh, you know, I think it was, 
I think he has an, a, a chance here. I think there's a chance here for Henry Parrish to kind of be that guy. I mean, to me, David, I think maybe the U2, I think it's clear that he is still running back one, even with Jalen Knight in returning. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I do think that Henry Parrish has a chance here to kind of really like more than firmly establish himself as a top running back on this team. And then also kind of will Miami to this, you know, offensive ground performance that could obviously go a really, really long way in terms of, uh, you know, potentially coming out of college station uh, with a win, which we saw last week with Cameron Peoples, how he was kind of a workhorse and obviously a bigger bodied guy and a different, different running styles. But, you know, you, you see how the running game can, can impact, uh, you know, the way that the, the flow of the game goes in terms of, you know, constantly, you know, moving the chains. You mentioned the, those four yard carries matter. I mean, four or five yard carries. I mean, those are, those are really, really meaningful gains in, ga- in games like this. And uh, Miami's going to have to get it rolling on the ground. Of course, the style of play uh, obviously matters. And, uh, you know, I think when Michigan went and beat Ohio State last year, I don't have the numbers on me, but uh, I, I know that it was a pretty special running performance for them too. So uh, I think Josh Gaddis is going to want to kind of establish that as well. I think that will work him a little bit into the passing game too. For sure. Him and Jalen Knighton. You know, I yeah. think that's that's kind of important to get the ball quickly in the in their hands in that way. Uh my yard guys are here. So if you hear lawnmowers, I apologize. Uh for me, the potential play of the game, I'm gonna take the low-hanging fruit. Tyler Van Dyke. I think, yeah. you know, this is his opportunity to show that he's he's the man. And uh, you know, he's coming off that uncharacteristically average performance against Southern Miss. And, uh, you know, ever since then, he's been focused on getting those miscues corrected. Now, the last time we saw him come off such a poor start was 2021 against North Carolina. Had a poor showing there. He, he got it going in the in the second half and made that game close. But uh, overall, that was that was a poor game from Tyler. So the next game, was the NC State game against, by the way, a very good NC State defense. And on that day against NC State, Van Dyke bounced back, was excellent, went 25 of 33 for 325 and four touchdowns. Now that game was at home, which is a big difference. I do think the fact that this game is at Kyle Field is a big factor in this game. But the next step for Tyler to that point is to show he can lock in and get the job done in a hostile environment. So, you know, I think if Miami wins this game, it's clear that Tyler Van Dyke was by far the best quarterback in this game, which we think going in, but that needs to show via performance on the field. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be really, really big. And, you know, I think he's played against some big time defenses. I mean, I think what he did against NC state last year was really, really impressive and how he kind of bounced back against some of those, you know, again, after kind of a poor performance. And I mean, I don't think it's like, you know, obviously the same situation, but um, I am encouraged that he can kind of go in there and and have a, a solid, strong game where he takes care of the ball. I think that's going to be one of the more important things that he does is really just don't turn the ball over. Don't, uh, give them any more opportunities than they're already going to have. So I think the, I think Tyler Van Dyke, you know, just playing a clean game is, is more important than him even maybe having like an elite game or anything like that, just Mm -hmm. kind of doing what he needs to do and and taking care of the ball, getting it to his playmakers, moving the chains, all that type of stuff. So I don't, it's not the Rhett Lashley explosive, you know, 65 yard, 
play off, you right. know, to, like score. We're not trying, their mind is not going to be trying to score in 48 seconds, you know, like I think they're going to try to methodically move it down the yes. field. And so I think being clean, being crisp, being precise is going to be big for Tyler Van Dyke. All right, let's go on to some Sportsline projections. So Sportsline.com uh, gives some good betting advice. They're under the CBS Sports umbrella, like 24-7 Sports is. They provide some interesting, uh, what is it called, daily fantasy type of stats that I think uh, provide some interesting over-unders. And this is all just, you know, from Sportsline. I didn't make these numbers. It's, you know, based on some algorithm, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I feel like they're interesting. And I just wanted to go through an over-under exercise with you on these numbers, Gabby. So for Tyler Van Dyke, they have the over-under set at 259 passing yards. I'm going to go over. Nice. I think I will too. I don't know if... I don't think it's going to be like super high over. I'm not saying it's going to be like a 320-yard right. performance. But I think we could sneak into the 280s yes. somewhere around there. I'd probably go under 300. Yeah. But if, if he's over 300, I'm feeling good about how they're moving the ball, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, Jalen Knighton. So again, this is algorithm-based, so I don't know how like closely they're watching Miami this season. But they have Jalen Knighton as the top runner for Miami in this game. And they have that at only 44 rushing yards. So, you know, we're not even talking about Jalen being the the top runner. Yeah. Just Jalen Knight and 44 rushing yards. Would you go over or under that? I'm actually going to go under. And just because I don't think he's going to be the primary running back. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm just going to maybe hold under. I think he can contribute in other ways. Uh, I don't know if the 44, I don't know if he gets to 45 rushing yards or anything like that. I would agree. What about 44 total yards? Yeah, no, I would go over 44 total yards. Okay. I think. Keyshawn Smith, 34 receiving yards. Yeah, man, I, I mean, I think that's a brutal over under. under. I mean, I'm crossing my fingers. And <laughs> I mean, I think it has to be over if Miami's going to, if Miami's going to win yeah. this game. Yeah. If this game's going to be close, I think, uh, you know, the th- over 34 yards on Keyshawn Smith is a, is a must. So for the sake of everyone, I, I I'm going to take the over there. I will say this, like the sports line uh, projections, they did have, like, I felt like they had four or five guys between that, like 30 to 40 receiving yards mark. So they kind of expect, which is the way it could play out. They expect yeah. them to spread the ball around in the passing yeah. game. So it'll be interesting to see. This number got your attention, Gabby. Yeah, it definitely uh, did. So for Texas A&M, Devin A-Chain, they had the over-under set at 138 rushing yards. I mean, I don't know. I think that's I think that's an insane number. Um, not saying that he's not capable, but I mean, we talked we talked about the offensive line struggles. I don't know, maybe they know something we don't, but I mean, he's only I I mean, I think in 2021 between now and throughout 2021 he only went over 138 yards once that was when he went 154 against South Carolina in a huge win like and I think they put up like 45 points in that game Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen on Saturday at least I am hoping that that's not going to happen on Saturday so I'm gonna pretty confidently take the under there all right yeah I would take the under too um the betting line so 
last I've looked, uh, Miami is a five and a half point underdog. Um, it's now, now that I'm looking, I, I see that it's at six. So it keeps bouncing back between five and a half and six. Let's stick with five and a half though. Um, what would you bet if you're a betting man, Gabby, on that line? Would you, where would you put it? Man, I honestly keep going back and forth with this. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like the more we've kind of, I've kind of dove into the game, I think there's just a lot of uncertainty between the quarterbacks. And I think whoever plays quarterback, obviously it just kind of changes. I feel like if they roll out Hayes King, I mean, I do think Miami has a chance to win the game, which is why maybe I would take Miami plus five and a half right now. Um, mm-hmm. But this is a team that could, of course, just kind of get rolling. And, you know, you never kind of want to play teams coming off of a performance like this, because I think that that's typically when you have their full attention. And that's, you know, they're obviously capable of coming out and playing some of their best football um, possible at that point. So, I mean, I really have gone back and forth on this, but, you know, I do think I will take Miami plus five and a half. I think I would, too. Um I would definitely take him plus six too. Yeah. And I might even do like a little sprinkle on the money line as well. Just take yeah. them to straight up win. I think that that line that we're looking at now is like plus 185. Yeah, that's what I saw. That's what I last saw was plus 180. Right. So I might even just, if I was going to bet, I might even just like put a, like put a small amount on that money line. Um, what about the over under? It is low, low. Yeah. It, it, so it keeps going lower. Uh, it is now at 44. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would take the over. You know, I don't think that, again, I, I think that, I don't know. I think both teams are kind of due for an offensive performance or just like a better offensive performances. Um, and again, I, I don't know. I, I think that it could, I mean, I my prediction is that the over would hit. I feel better about the over maybe than I do about the, the line. My prediction is the under, so I'm going to go under. Okay. So we are at that time, Gabby. Time for predictions. I just realized my prediction is at the under, too. Well, well, let's change that then. Maybe we should. I don't know. (laughs) So do you want the under now? I don't know. Maybe. I just realized I I went back to my doc, and I was like, oh, crap. I I actually (laughs) picked it under. Yeah, I'll take the under. Fine. All right. So Gabby, let's hear it, man. What do you think this Alice? I'll say this on the front end. Like this is a very, like I am perfectly fine with admitting when I don't have a good feel, when I don't really know or what to expect from a game. Like a lot of times I can tell you, like, you know, I might not get the score right, but I, I do have a good feel typically like, yeah, Miami will win this game. Miami will lose this game. I I don't know for this game. I we're just going to learn so much from this game. Yeah, the way Texas A&M has come out this year and performed has been very confusing into like trying to read into what they are. So I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's how I feel. The floor is yours. Yeah, no, I mean I feel very, very torn on how this game is going to go. Um, and again, I'm just, I feel like there's so many things that convince me both ways. And, you know, we talked about the, what Miami does in these environments. And I feel like that's something I keep going back to. Like, 
I I need this program to show me that they can go on the road and win a game, a big game like this, like in an SEC program, in a major environment, which is probably causing like the most like hesitancy from me in terms of picking Miami to win this game. It's just because like, how can I when they haven't done it? So that's the part that's, I mean, uh, I don't know, whatever, I'll get to that. On the on the flip side, you know, I do feel like this is obviously, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to hold this group to that same kind of feelings because I feel like there has been a complete shift with the, in terms of the people running yes. the program. And Mario Cristobal took an Oregon team that was like two plus touchdown underdogs into Columbus, Ohio last year and, and beat Ohio State. Uh, Josh Gaddis kind of ended the whole Michigan streak against not single-handedly, obviously, but he he beat Ohio right. State too. Like you know, the, we, Kevin Steele has coached games against Texas A&M, against Jimbo Fisher, and won. Like David, you taught you 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 saw all the all the data and all stuff. I threw on an extended highlights of those games, and you know, it feels like Kevin Steele has a pretty good idea of of how to approach this offense. And a lot of the stuff that, like at least the formations and stuff that I was seeing in 2018, is not super far off from what we were seeing. Right. You know, against that Appalachian State team, like kind of going back to his press conference when he says Texas, like Jimbo is who he is offensively. And I kind I'm kind of buying that. So, you know, I like that that it doesn't feel like this is just completely unfamiliar territory for the people that are running this program and making decisions. Yes. Let me that, can I stop you? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. How differently would you feel about this game if it was being played at Hard Rock Stadium? I would pick Miami to win if this game was playing was if this game was in Miami. Right. There wouldn't be I much think thought so. to it. I would feel a lot better about it. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess with that being said, I mean, my, my prediction right now, I'm going to go 24 uh, 20. I do think Texas A&M sneaks out of it. And that's hard to obviously, you know, I know that this is a Miami podcast and I might get drilled no, for this. Keep but it real. I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be as transparent as I can. And honestly, it's more of just kind of a show me thing. It's just like, I need to see this program. Take, like turn that corner and win a game in this environment. And until this team kind of does that, I mean, I, I, I just struggle to pick them in yeah. to win these types of games. And obviously it's not for anything. I could have just picked Miami and just made everyone happy, but uh, you know, just trying to keep it, you know, what my eyes are telling me, what my, what my head is telling me and just kind of watching everything. So I think it's going to be a really good game. I think it's going to be a strong fourth quarter game and realistically big picture wise. I mean, year five Jimbo Fisher against year one, Mario Cristobal playing a game that would, that is going to, that would be a four quarter battle. I think would be a really, really good indication about where Miami's yes. program is heading. So just because I'm picking that doesn't mean I don't think Miami can win this game or that I don't think that, you know, the program's heading in the right way. I just think that this is potentially how it plays out. Look, I'm not sitting here acting like, you know, there's, you should never, you know, cheer a loss. Right. But I do think to your point, if this is a four quarter game, I think that is encouraging moving forward for the rest of the schedule. Um, there's always week to week going to be games that pop up where, you know, you, you do face adversity. Um, but I do think the team can grow from a four quarter battle, no matter the result as corny as, as that is to say. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I have struggled with this. I've gone back and forth. I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't know how good this Texas A&M team really is. I think they're good on defense. Um, 
which is why the over-under is at 44 now, you know? I think I'm going to go Miami 23, Texas A&M 20. Ooh, I love so what it. does this look like? You know, I think Miami survives the energy of Texas A&M coming out swinging with a wild crowd. I think the UM defense limits explosive plays, specifically explosive touchdowns. I do think the turnover thing is something to watch because, like I said, Texas A&M has been kind of turnover prone. Uh, and honestly, this might change if they go away from Haynes King because he's kind of been part of the issue there with the turnovers. Um, and, and Miami's defense has been pretty good at generating those havoc plays. So that could be an advantage for Miami. I think, I think Miami's offensive line holds its own. I don't know if they necessarily win the day on the line of scrimmage, but I think they hold their own, which is not something we've seen recently against these Alabama, Clemson, Florida, LSU games here in recent years. I think the defensive line has an advantage. And again, I think Tyler Van Dyke can make a few. Tyler, Tyler Van Dyke makes two or three big time throws, um, you know, where he can elevate the receiver room, uh, you know, like a NFL quarterback can, I think that might be enough to win this game. Um, you know, I personally, I think it's a 50, 50 game. Yeah. I think typically in 50, 50 games, it's, it's understandable to go with the home team, especially when it's an environment like Kyle field. I just, I don't know what this Texas A&M team is. And so I am leaning on what we've seen so far of Texas A&M. I'm not going to project what I think Max Johnson can be, et cetera, et cetera. Though I do think Max Johnson gives them a lift. I just don't know what that looks like. So I'm kind of judging it on Texas A&M, what we've seen so far. And, you know, ultimately this is like a deep water game. Both teams are going to drag each other into deep waters and who's gonna who's gonna survive i i also think miami's kicking situation could be uh advantageous so 50 50 game 50 50 prediction here on through the smoke uh you know gotta respect it and uh, it'll be a fun game again espn 9 p.m eastern time we'll all be glued to it um big opportunity for this program if they win this game we're coming until next time take care you back oh god (laughs) cbs sunday after the equalizer You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.